Recording from the heart of Providence, Rhode Island, you are listening to the Red Card Report podcast, a weekly show that provides coverage of all the major soccer leagues and stories from around the world. If you like the show, head over to iTunes, leave us a review, and even share the podcast with your friends. Also, don't forget to hit the follow or subscribe button on any of your favorite podcast apps so you get all the latest updates and never miss an episode. Thanks for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Red Card Report podcast, episode 17. I'm your host, Dylan Ponte, and as always, I'm here with Rui Pereira and Joe Capuano. Mm-hmm. How you boys doing? Doing good. Fantastic. Pretty good, yep. We've got special guests in the studio with us today. Long friend of the show, good friend of mine, Evan Rosa. How you doing there, big guy? Yeah. Doing great. Uh, it's my first time doing any sort of type of podcast, radio, you know, I'm so- incredibly Portuguese, so trying to explain <laughs> that I'm going to be on fucking radio right now is a big deal. Uh, radio? You know, my mom kind of gets it because she, you know, radio. she came to this country when she was seven, so she pretty much understands that, you know, people listen to things on their phone. Me trying to explain things to my dad, he just tells me I need to work a little bit more, so. <laughs> I love you, dad. So maybe exactly. after he listens to this, uh, that sounds about he'll figure, right. Yeah, you, he'll figure out that I was. You're gonna, uh, you're gonna have him listen to us. Huh? Absolutely, yeah. I have to have him listen to us. You got to make you know. sure he leaves a review. Uh, he might not be Five able to type review. it out because he's not too computer savvy. But well, I might type it for him. <laughs> ah, that works. That works too. Anyway, we're very glad to have you. We wanted to bring you on because we know you're a very big Manchester United fan. You got the. Is that an Ibrahimovic jersey? I that see is you got an going on. Ibrahimovic jersey, two hundred and ten percent. Yeah, he's rocking the couple, rocking the Man United. couple years old, right? Couple years yeah, old, years back. But he is the sweet of all that's sweets, the, and he's the, the goal scoring machine. So, <laughs> legend, legend, absolutely, the big nose legend. <laughs> but uh, so we wanted to bring you in because obviously Manchester United uh, just won their Champions League game this, this past uh, week on Wednesday, I believe it was. They won the game three to one. Ended up advancing because uh, the away goals rule. the uh, The aggregate finished at three three. United won on away goals, advancing to the next round. So, yeah, we wanted to bring you in. We wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, in particular, obviously, the Champions League match. We also want to get to Ole Silkshire, which is something that you and I have talked about off the air quite a bit. We definitely, definitely, definitely want to hit on the Jose Mourinho sacking. We had an episode Naturally. on that. Can't wait. We Naturally. had an episode on that, and we absolutely want to get your thoughts there. And then overall, just general EPL where you think uh, United is, is, is going to go moving forward and and all that. Absolutely. So, uh, but, yeah, starting with the Champions League. You want to just review what happened? Yeah, we can review what happened. So for those who don't know, we didn't, didn't get a chance to catch the game. Um, like I said earlier, Manchester United ended up winning the game 3-1. to one, But starting from the beginning, uh, Lukaku scored early on uh, in the second minute, actually. Opened up really quick. Shitty that, back pass. The guy messed up. Really oh yeah, that was yeah. That was had no idea what was over his shoulder, and it just he he paid the price. Yeah, Lukaku <laughs> took the ball away, walked right in on on Buffon. Great step over yeah. move. Tight angle to to put the ball away. It was not an easy finish. Um, you know, despite the the terrain that they were playing on, it was a rainy night in Paris, and uh, he somehow managed to squeeze that 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 tight angle in and put Manchester United on the board. You know, it, it was a great, great start. I'm sure they weren't expecting to start off that soon, and they made it happen. Yeah, you can't start much better than that. Two minutes in, can't start much better than that. Absolutely not. Take advantage of Buffon's age. He is the Yoda of professional soccer. It was a wet <laughs> surface. Friggin' ding that thing as hard as you can. Get a skip off and hope that he messes up, and he definitely did. But yeah, they started off early, and PSG came back pretty quickly in the 12th minute. Scored a goal of their own, tied it up 1-1. Um, game progressed. Actually, PSG pretty much manhandling this match for the whole game. The possession numbers, the passes were absurdly oh, yeah. in favor of PSG. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lukaku was able to take advantage of an opportunity in the 30th minute. Marcus Rashford blasted one from outside the box. Buffon mishandled it, kind of skipped in front of him. And Lukaku's right on the doorstep, was able to put it away, put them up 2-1. to one. And then, of course, like I was saying before, they have the controversial VAR decision in the 94th minute, I believe it was, that led to a penalty kick. 
That was taken by uh, Marcus Rashford, put it away, and the rest is history. So, Evan, what are your what are your thoughts on that on that <laughs> VAR decision? Because I know I know how I feel. We I know we had talked about it briefly briefly before we had started recording, but you disagreed with me. I want to see two friends fight. Let's do this. <laughs> I I have to say, holy shit! I think the <laughs> official got it wrong. I, I'll be dead honest with you. Whoa. <clears throat> Uh, who was it? Who was it that took that shot? Was it Delot? Yeah, Delo. Yeah, Delo, Delo, Delot. Whatever it might be. Um, it there's absolutely no any touching of the arm, hand, anything in the box. However, Delot <laughs> hit that friggin' ball to the moon to Marseille to Lyon. It it was nowhere in the stadium, and I think under a circumstance like that. The official has to understand that it did not affect the trajectory of the ball potentially going on goal and the possibility that it might go in. To me, the way I saw it, the ball was always going out. And I think he honestly should have favored PSG in that sense. That's just where I am on the point. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I disagree. I I understand what you're saying where the, the fact that the ball was clearly clearly sailing into the stands nowhere near goal but so what it, what it comes down to for me is it still hit Kempe in the arm it, to me it was still a handball you know what I mean the, his positioning Agreed. where it hit mm-hmm. him in the arm was a handball so despite the fact that the ball's sailing wide or almost out of the stadium <laughs> despite the fact that it was nowhere near the net it's still a handball yep and in that situation, you have to, you know, the rule is the rule. It sucks, but again, the rule is the rule. So I, you know, I felt e- it. Even though when you look at it and you see the way he jumped for it, would you deem his arm in an unnatural position? I looked at the replay a couple of times. It, it's a tough call, but I, I do. I think as a defender, you should be a little more aware of your body positioning, and you need to be a little more cautious with your. With your arms when you when you're jumping up that record. it wasn't upwards by his shoulders. He didn't like flail his hands upwards. They were by his side. They were just you know they slightly were, east and they west. They were out. They were out. A little out. But yeah. I agree with. But Dylan. they were not up. That's one thing. It's just everyone knows here that just because that there is contact with the hand, it doesn't necessarily mean that there is or hand or arm. That necessarily means that is a handball. We have to know that whether or not. The ball plays a hand or the hand is playing the ball. In this case, I kind of see where where Evan's coming from. The position of his hand was not in a natural position. But then again, he wasn't necessarily playing the ball with his hand in the box. And on top the of that... The intent was to obviously block the you shot. Can also, yeah, <laughs> his intent was to block the shot and he turned around. His hand was not in a natural position, but he didn't have the intent of playing the ball with his hand and on top of that you can also say that the ball was not going anywhere near um De Gea's premises at all it was going to go out of the stadium practically so you can factor that in but on top of that it's still not 100% clear on where exactly the ball was going to go um in my opinion it's more of a 50-50 it's a 50-50 decision and when it comes to that it, the the referees are really pressured in a stage like that, like where is he going to make this decision? Where who's going to benefit from it? And at this at that stage, it's you know it, it comes down to experience, and it comes down to basically how the referee looks at it. And if he calls it a penalty, sure. If he doesn't, you can also understand that. There's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, in my opinion, I think. I think Manchester United got away with it, but I can also understand where the referee is coming from giving the penalty because it wasn't necessarily clear from both perspectives. The ball was going out of the stadium, but also the defender, he turns around, but his arm is not in a natural position, and I know his intentions wasn't to play the ball with his hand. It's a tough situation. It's... In my opinion, it's a 50-50 um, call, and it comes down to you know the opinion of the referee, the viewpoint of the referee. To your credit, Evan, I, I 
totally understand where you're coming from because you see similar plays happen in, in football, for example, with pass interference calls. A lot of times when the ball's completely overthrown and the receiver has no chance of catching the ball, they don't throw the flag and it's not a pass interference. Yeah. So I understand what he's saying where the ball was it, – it was – that shot was not going to impact. Depends on how blatant it is. Right. And obvious. So, again, I totally understand that, but comes down to a judgment and we, call. And we, I, I'd still make it. And we look so. at it, too. I, I would it, make it, too. We, we look at it in that sport, too. It's like, like, is it a penalty? Is it not a penalty? It's, I also it's think hard. it was... I blame Kimpepe because that that's a reckless, reckless challenge. You know what I mean? Late in the game, all you have to do is not concede a goal... That ball is sailing wide. There's no need for him to go up and try and, and try and well, block yeah, that. He was, yeah, he was Blocking jumping up. Blocking is fine, but I think he did a, a terrible job in keeping his hands well, in yeah, a, I mean, a more p- proper position. Yeah, you're defending, dude. Just just take the hit. But he was like jumping as if he was going to protect his face. Just like, just take it. But now man, it, come it, on. it's so controversial because nowadays we don't even, we don't even know what really is a penalty anymore because we see so these incidents and with VAR it's like yeah. you know it it becomes even more difficult like is it a penalty and people become more frustrated because there actually is a review there is a um the video assistant review that can that is supposed to help in these situations and you know what it's becoming more controversial i mean i'm i'm just interested to see how it's going to play out in the EPL because like you said any any call can go either way now and we can we have the capability of reviewing it who knows what a referee is actually going to choose because at the end of the day it's it is their decision what to rule on the field and totally agree just because you see something doesn't mean that it's the same thing that uh that they envision in their mind it's all so interpretive uh given penalties uh, fouls outside the box it's it's all given circumstances and these refs know it uefa champions league second leg that ref knows damn well. There was a handball in the box. It did touch his hand. He's better off saying it was a foul than not. We can say, given the circumstances, given that his arm was in an unnatural position, some people can argue that he shouldn't have jumped, whatever it may be, but it's also interpretive. One of the things that I found most interesting about this this match, aside from the fact that it was a tremendous comeback and a, and a, a great win for Manchester United... But what really stood out to me was Manchester United's lineup in particular because they were down to next to nothing. Their their roster was so depleted. There were so many injuries, and and obviously Paul Pogba was out because of the red card in the previous match, uh, the previous leg. Um, but I, I think Rui, did did I give you the list of the, the players who were out? Yeah, there was uh, actually quite a few players that were out, mostly with injuries. One suspension, the most important player of that team, most consistent player and productive since um, the sacking of Jose Mourinho, um, <laughs> Paul Pogba, which we mentioned in the previous one of the previous episodes. Um, yeah, I think we got into an argument about it. No, no. <laughs> what I'm getting at is he's been absolute top class, and we I, oh, I, I believe it was left, a consensus yeah. here between Dylan, Joe, and I, where we thought Man United was done because. Paul Pog was such an important piece to this team, and he's done so much since Ole Shulksire has um, has taken over. And for him to get that red card, I thought, me oh, personally, right. I thought Man United yep. was toast. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, me too. You're, you're right. Yeah, I remember that now, yeah. And we were talking about how the, his emotions got the best of him. He went in on a reckless challenge. He was already on a yellow, forced a second yellow, and then he was out for this game. I I don't know about you guys. I was pretty I was pretty certain yeah, that thought, this guy this team was done. Yeah, I thought that Absolutely PSG was done. Oh, we yeah. both called it. We thought that PSG was gonna you know put the nail in the coffin, so to speak. Yeah, and just to run through this list of of injuries that they had. Obviously, again, Pogba with the suspension, and on top of that, Eric Bailly left the game early because he got injured. Who's also um, a tremendous center back. A, right, exactly. A big part of their he defense. Wasn't having the best game in this one though. Um, he, he was really getting blown by. I mean, he's been tremendous, tremendous since since Ole Shulkshire took over. But this game, he, he started off at right back. You saw that Manchester United, they were playing with three center backs on the pitch. You would have thought that they would have went with three in the back, but no, they, they forced um, 
Eric Bailly to the right side, and it's just not his natural position. He was really getting blown by, and he took a knock in the game. They say an injury is the reason why he got subbed off, but I think it all worked out and worked out in Manchester United's favor because Ole Shokshire took a took a, a huge gamble in putting him in the right back in the right back position. They subbed him out, put in Delon, um, Delo in in the 36th minute, and things actually started looking better for for Manchester United when he went into the game. Yeah. So again, that that list: Pogba, Bai, Herrera out with a hamstring, Jones with an illness, Lingard with a hamstring, Marshall with a groin injury, Juan Mata with a hamstring, Matic with a muscle injury, mm. Sanchez with the knee, and Valencia with the calf. The list seems to go on forever. So what you're telling me is, is basically Solskjaer rolled out a B team against one. He rolled out the academy against one of the contenders yeah. to win the Champions League. Is what Pretty you're much. saying? My question for Evan Insane. was, who deserves more credit for this win? Basically, Ole Solskjaer or the young bench players? And obviously, it's a mixture of both because the young players have to play well. But if you had to pick one, which which one was the bigger influence, Solskjaer or the young bench players? Well, you hit the nail on the head. And uh, coming from a player's perspective, as much as it is the manager's responsibility to obviously manage his team and put the players in that he feels can get the job done, uh, it, it's up to the players to uh, perform and, and do well. And I think absolutely the guys that he put in, like Scott Scott Matamane, he's He's fucking 22 years old. He's he's just a little fetus in there. And not only that, <laughs> he tells him to go and play center midfield, you know, and he doesn't have a ton of first team experience, to my understanding. He played and like he's had years and years of he experience. Is, he is well beyond his years. However, he doesn't have a, we're going to throw him in, in the second leg of the Champions League now in a must win game. And we're just yeah. going to roll the dice and see what he does. I mean, they came away with the win, so can't say he did all that bad. And what, one thing that I really want to touch on, on, on Ole Shulkshire, it it's an all-around balanced performance between the two. You know, the, the young players just stepping up on the biggest stage of the season, the biggest stage of their careers, and Ole Shulkshire actually having the faith in them, the trust in them. And you know what? He's a very simple manager. He's a very simple manager. He's not going to ask... He's not going to ask them to do something that they can't do. It's more like this Bill Belichick recipe where it's just do your job. I'm going to assign you to X and you're going to do X. I'm not going to ask you to do something more that you cannot, that you're not capable of doing. Doing your job. Really, this is, I know this is like a cliche of, of but this is really what Oli Shokshire has been able to do. And every single player that has been on the pitch has deserved it has deserved and proved to be on there. And you know what? Hats off to Ole Shulkshire. Yeah, no, I... I for bringing this team together. Look at the bench for Manchester United that was in this game. You had Romero. Right, he's a backup goalkeeper. Marcos Rojo. He's the, he's the most known player on this bench. You have Diogo Delo. You have Garner. Who? Chong. Who? Angel Gomez. Who? And Greenwood. I don't know who any of those guys are. All the other well, young Well, you do studs. now because they just want to... Yeah, they just... <laughs> they they just they're in the, the Champions League. Yeah, they are well-known well now. <laughs> yep. They you made know, history. This... How, how he's been able to bring this team together from the terrible start that they had this season, it's bar none incredible. And in my opinion, he deserves to be the manager of this club. He deserves the opportunity because when you... If you ask Jose Mourinho, and they already answered this question... What are the chances of you making fourth place? They were very slim. Yeah, with this team. Like, and I'm not. I'm not team. saying. I'm not saying his his tenure at Manchester United is a, a reflection on the coach that he is, the, the brilliant coach that he is. Things just didn't work out here. But Ole Shulkshire has just done an incredible, incredible job. Yeah, I do want to touch on that a little later on in the episode. I'm curious to hear Evan's thoughts on. Silkshire's performance since he took over and thoughts on his future with the club. Oh, um, but I just so sticking with the Champions League for right now, one of the things that it's stood out to me over the last three games, Romelu Lukaku and his play. As we had mentioned earlier, two goals in this game, two crucial goals. And not only that, but Lukaku in the last three games alone has scored six goals. 
two goals in each of his last three games. So is this the moment that Manchester United has been searching for? Is this when Lukaku decides to, to turn things around? I think Lukaku's definitely rejuvenated. I think under uh, Mourinho's tenure, he was discouraged. He sat bench in a couple of notable games. And uh, now it's just a fresh start for him. And I think we're seeing it. He's turning around. He's putting goals in the back of the net like we're used to see him doing. And uh, again, he's just he's just turning it around. There's no way better way to say it. He's, re- he's, he's really been turning things around. And even under Ole Schultzshire, um Schultzshire had Rashford as his number nine. He, he That's was a right. Yeah. He, he chose Rashford over the $75 million transfer. That is Romelu Lukaku. But you know what? Romelu Lukaku, even under Mourinho, things weren't going well for him beginning of this season. He lost his stride since he, he left Everton. Last year, he had an okay on and off season last year. But you know what? He he has a strong mentality. He didn't give up. He saw that a kid younger than him, a prospect, took his position, but he still maintained his positive attitude. He still worked hard. You know, he still persevered and he didn't let that necessarily bother him. What it did, it, it gave him that extra strive, that extra hunger to do better in training. And you're seeing in the games now that, yes, not only did the team around him rejuvenate under Ole uh, Shulkshire, so did he. And he's getting that proper service. He's getting that proper distribution to him. And he's putting goals away. Because well, he's As playing we, He's playing in position. He's, he's getting the reps. He's getting the time he needs to do what he needs to do. A player of his stature, if he's not given an adequate amount of time to, to do what he's used to doing, uh, I think you're going to see a little bit of a decline. Like Jose Mourinho had half the team sitting like so close to goal. He had to come track back because Mourinho yeah. had everyone defending. A lot, a lot yeah, of times, not like that. He's like Lukaku: get as close to goal as you possibly can, and we'll Correct. get you the service that. And, and, and you, guys are feeding him. That you and, need, you know. And, and we saw earlier in the season under Jose Mourinho, you know, whenever the Manchester United's defense would win the ball, they would send the ball forward. Sure, Lukaku would win the ball. Whenever he would control it, there was no one around. Unlike teams like Liverpool. And Manchester United, uh, Manchester United, Manchester City, their midfielders are intact. They're in the midfield and they're within 10 to 15 yards yep. of the striker. We had Where, this discussion. We had this discussion. And you before. were like, we, and you were like, Lukaku's touch let him down so many times in those instances. It, it wasn't necessarily that. It, it's the lack of service that he had previously under Mourinho because Mourinho played them so far back. Their, their back four was so weak. That their defensive midfielders, their registas, Pogba, Matic, Pogba was out of position, right under under Mourinho. Yeah, he was. They were he so didn't far have back, helping, helping that weak and fragile back four. That by the time they clear the ball forward, send the ball forward, Pogba and Matic still had to hustle forward to yeah. help contribute, and they weren't there in time. Pogba's instinct is to get forward anyway. At times, we would see in the matches that Lukaku was just by himself out to dry when he's collecting. And we all know Lukaku doesn't really have the greatest touch. He's a phenomenal poacher, but he doesn't have that great touch. And it's very difficult for him to really get something going when he's put in such a circumstance. His athleticism and his size often gets him by the back four. He he can be a freak, and when he's close enough, he can be very dangerous. He's the target, man. He loves playing behind behind the defender, trying to get through, trying to break through the defense on a through ball because his power and speed can just break defenses incredibly, you know. Plain and simple, he's just very different from other forwards that we see in the Premier League. His size just, it, it gets through a lot of people. He's a perfect EPL poacher. Correct. Perfect. Yeah, I'm not completely sold on him yet. I know these last three games have been huge for him. Again, those six goals in three games. But for me, I need to see more. Always the negative, Dylan. No, those two games that he played first. I don't know if it was in this order specifically, but it was Southampton and Crystal Palace. Bottom of the table teams. And we've seen Lukaku do this over and over and over again. Yeah, whatever. Scores goals against, but then then choke in the big games. Choke in the big games. And obviously you can say, well, here's PSG and he put two goals away. But again, when you look at the two goals that he scored, 
give me's. Yeah, you just you know. You know, I I'll tell I, you, I, right, I, right, li- right place at the right time. Strikers live good for those being goals, in position though. when it's part of the job is just being is. in the right place. Right, like, right. I credit for at least that. being there. I seriously. So that's why I'm saying I need to see more from him. You know I seriously I mean? believe that anticipation and positioning is an overlooked attribute when it comes to this game. Look at Cristiano Ronaldo for an example. An incredible talent. The guy can do anything. But another thing that he can do so well, which is why he he fulfills the number nine position so well, is because he's so good at anticipating where the ball is going to be. He's so good at putting himself in the correct position. Almost like David De Gea, why I admire this guy so much, and I believe he's so good, because a lot of the saves that you see that he makes, they're so simple, and obviously a lot of them are incredible acrobatic saves. But that's because, because he knows capable. Where, he knows where the ball's going to go. You see a lot of you see a lot of simple saves from him that is constantly overlooked because his positioning is by far the best in the world. He positions himself so well, better than any other goalkeeper I've seen in recent times. That's such an overlooked trait, and I believe it's because it's not something that you can really teach. It's something that you're gifted with. Yeah. And it's so unique. Yeah, I guess so. Some of the best, some of the best uh, strikers in the in the history of the game, like Inzaghi, like the guy born offside. And you know what? You can also use Chiellini and Goudin in the same way with positioning. They're they're phenomenal center backs, yeah. not because they're they're great ball winners or they're great in the air. Or they're great. They know where you know, to be. They don't just read the game well. They know where to be. They have this this instinct that the ball's going to be there, and they're there. Yeah, no, it it definitely is. It's not just one position, it's all of them. Yeah, for sure. So one of the things that we haven't touched on yet is the play of PSG because they significantly outplayed Manchester United. Significantly outplayed them, held possession longer, had more passes, had more shots on target, had more shots. They had countless, countless missed opportunities. Do you think that this was... A great performance by Manchester United and a great performance by Solskjaer and the young players? Or was this more of a massive failure slash collapse by PSG? You go first, Evan. <laughs> I wanna know. I really I wanna hear what I wanna hear what you have to say on this. I mean, from a player standpoint, especially in this second leg, I can't tell you when possession is seventy three to twenty seven. It was a absurd. fun game to play in. <laughs> it's absolutely miserable. It's so frustrating. <laughs> Being behind the ball, chasing the entire time is not fun. When teams are just, you know, running down your throat and just making it look easy, it, it's a very tough game to get through, and you have to make the most of your chances. That's what it really comes down to. When you do get the ball, you try and jam people in, and, and you sprint hard. You try and make a transition play and, and try to make the most of it. And when you don't and the other team gets it back, you know they're going to keep the ball for a while, so you got to get back. Yeah, I feel, I, I, I feel that... Um this was just a another mental collapse by PSG. They really lack this this Champions League DNA. It, it just happens year in and year out. They did it with Chelsea. They did it with Barcelona. They did it now <laughs> with Barcelona. Manchester United, a crippled <laughs> Manchester United team. The B team. Literally. I, yeah, mean, I, literally mentioned, a B I mentioned team. the names that were on the bench earlier. You know, And all the players that missed out, their best player. Out. Paul Pogba was out. We thought they were done. This was supposed to be a cakewalk for PSG. You know, and, and I, as much as I admire Kylian Mbappe, he's still a young kid. He's an incredible, incredible talent. You know, there was opportunities that this kid could have just buried this game away and made it difficult for Manchester United to come back. And there was a couple of uh, opportunities. He had a shot that could have put the game away, didn't make it. There was a one-on-one with the goalkeeper. He slips, loses yep. uh, loses Every, control of the ball. De Gea wraps it up. You know, it, it's things like this. It's like th- this team cannot find any luck whatsoever. And it, it's unfortunate because they, they do have a quality squad. Um, I'm not going to say that it's, it's the lack of playing big clubs, quote-unquote big clubs in their league because this team came out of the group of death. They mm-hmm. came out against um, Red Star Belgrade, Napoli, and Liverpool. 
not an easy group by any means. It's not an easy group. And whenever you go to Serbia, especially against Red Star Belgrade, it's not an easy atmosphere to play in. Napoli is the same situation. Liverpool, same situation. And Liverpool and Napoli are quality squads. So they, they had the experience uh, so far. It's just a huge, unfortunate performance, I guess. It, it, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I've run, out of, I've run out of excuses for them. I'm not... I'm not defending PSG in any way, but I will note they didn't have Neymar in. Could that have tipped the scales? Cavani didn't, didn't come in until the 95th minute. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just saying. I know. I know. Like I said, we've I'm talked not about it before. PSG. Neymar will never win a Champions no, League title. No, he probably he won't, won't win a Ballon d'Or too. I mentioned that in yeah. the previous episode. Especially if he stays at PSG. But we saw with these comebacks, one thing that I've felt has been the same in both of them, like with the IX comeback against Real Madrid mm-hmm. and the same thing with this one. I feel like both Real Madrid and PSG both had this sort of air of arrogance around them. Not in not in like a like a hurtful way. Like I think IX, Real Madrid like, did. What a what a shit club, you know what I'm saying? But Roll Ramos purposely yeah, getting a yellow card. Yeah, he had didn't. That, yeah, he had the. Of course, they mentality. definitely had that that attitude. What an ass! What a dick! Yeah, I, that mentioned should, this. Already we should earlier. talk about yeah. that at some point, like in another episode. What a jerk! But like I said, the arrogance that I think PSG had going into this fixture two nil up, I feel like that they they already felt kind of like how we did. Like this fixture was done and dusted, and it really is never over until the last kick of the game. So they def- they got ahead of themselves. They didn't prepare correctly. People are going to say that it's Buffon's fault. Um, I feel like it's it just wasn't his night. He's definitely the wrong side of uh, 40. He's going down from the prime of his career, unfortunately. Ten years ago. But um, it was just a, it was a comedy of errors for... It happens to the best of goalkeepers. Yeah, it really was just not his night. It wasn't and, his uh, night, and you know what? It wasn't PSG's night. Yeah, it wasn't just before Buffon. And you know what? When you, when you lose, when you lose in a match three to one, and you you see that a goalkeeper could have done something about one of the goals, who's everyone going to look back at? The, the goalkeeper. goalkeeper. It happens. Um, and you know what? Let's look back at the last time PSG played Napoli in the in the group stage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Buffon played it in absolute oh, he was insane huge. game, and he let up a penalty kick, which was well struck by Insigne. And that's what people remember. Buffon, Buffon still dove the correct position. He kept so many goals out for Napoli. Yep. And guess what? Napoli wins that game. Napoli would be at the top of the group, and PSG would be playing yeah, in, the, in the in the Europa League. Yep. People forget that. Mm-hmm. You know, and he had a great performance. So many Buffon-like saves that saved PSG in the yeah, long. And now, and now he's the villain. Now he's the villain. The goalkeepers—they absolutely get it the worst. Like I said, but like I said, going back to it for me, it was the whole, the whole attitude that they had. Absolutely, I think that that was just the biggest part. One of my last yeah. questions, just to finish up on the Champions League, is: What do you think of Manchester United's? chances in the Champions League moving forward. Do do you think that they can make it far? Do you think that they'll maybe just get ne- knocked out in the next round? How far do you think they'll go? And which teams in particular do you feel they'll match up well against? I think it's pretty unpredictable. They're on such a good stretch right now. Everybody's confident. Everybody feels so rejuvenated. Olga Solskjaer has done such a good job of just motivating these players, especially these young players, to go in there and do their job I would say the most familiar territory is, is playing against the teams from the Premier League. Tottenham, Liverpool, Man City, that's all familiar territory. They know how to prepare for those teams. Juve is going to be tough. They have Cristiano Ronaldo. Barca's Barca. We know that. Juve this is assuming they Juve needs This to is get assuming they make it. The hole that they're in against Atletico. Yeah, this is assuming they make it. This is assuming, yeah. And you know what? Uh, Porto just went through and Ajax just went through. You could say that Ajax and Porto are still the teams that aren't as as talented as the rest of the teams. And yeah, even Sh- Schalke. You still you can't write out Schalke yet either. Yeah. They're not, still in it. They they lost three to two, but you know what? They're gonna play away and 
you never know. I don't think they're going to make it out of that that round against Man City. I think Man City is just so powerful. But you never know what happens in these situations. And if Schalke goes through, it's literally anyone's table. Yeah, if it's anything, if this and week even proved Leon, anything. Lyon yeah, or Barcelona. They, they have all to play know. for. If it's anything this week proved, it's that anything can really happen. So. And you know what? Evan Evan said it right, too. They would if want anything, to get If they're going to play against a top club in the world, they want to play with someone that they're familiar with. And the Liverpool, Man City, Tottenham, they just beat Tottenham the last time out. I'm sure they, they would prefer to play against them over you know anyone else. I agree. They're playing so well in, in the EPL right now. I think their best shots would yep. be against those Premier, and, and Premier played, League teams. You know what? They held their ground against Liverpool, too. They held, right. They went to a 0-0 draw. Liverpool going in as the, the Goliath, and they, they held their ground against, and they played well. They yeah, them off yeah, the scoreboard. They didn't score a goal. Okay, huh? so that's actually a perfect transition, then, talking about the EPL. Again, one of the big topics we had wanted to talk about, Jose Mourinho. Now, Evan, just straight up. What was your opinion on the firing of Jose Mourinho? Did you like the decision? Did you not like it? I can't say I partied my ass off after I figured out he got fired. I was I was pretty pretty ecstatic for a number of reasons. I just felt that there was this overall attention that he had with his players. There was some sort of lack of respect under his tenure. Um he tended to play defensively. I think We've seen time and time again that he put players in positions that they weren't as effective in. And this is going to be my my trademark game. The last time they played Arsenal, I <laughs> threw an absolute fit. A 3-5-2 with players that just... Can't first play of all, a 3-5-2? First of all, they're not good enough to play a 3-5-2. And then you're throwing in players into the mix that just don't play often enough together, I distinctly remember Nemanja Matic and Marwan Fellaini playing in the center midfielder, in the center midfielder role, and don't get me wrong, they are great distributors of the ball. However, if we're playing FIFA right now, their pace is about 27 and 20, <laughs> so it's not exactly you guys want running box to box on the defensive end from a Gunners team that has got, that have guys that can just jam it down your throat. Their front runners are great. They're talented with the ball. Uh, they were a threat, and I didn't think that he prepared well enough. Yeah, his lineup decisions in that game were extremely, extremely yeah. poor. I poor. remember you specifically texting me and like, what the fuck is Mourinho doing? <laughs> I see like, the steam coming off you right now, dude. I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so you were you were happy that Jose Mourinho left. I was. You and, and I know he is a right notorious coach he has had tremendous success however under these circumstances under Manchester United under the players that he was dealt with I think this is one lapse in his career and he's had a long tenure you know it's not going to be perfect with every team that you manage and I think this is one instance where he just got it wrong and I think Manchester United made a right move to replace him I agree. I mean, it's typical third season Mourinho. This is what happens. It's happened at other clubs before, namely Real Madrid. Um, the only club where it really hasn't happened was Inter. But you hit the nail on the head, man. Chelsea the second tenure. Chelsea the second time around. And, and then the first tenure was more the fourth season. True. But, you know, it, yeah. it, it, it just always is, ends you know. this way. It yeah. just ends this way for him. It just became, um, a, it became I, a pattern. I totally, I totally agree that it was the right decision to make. I said in the last episode that we talked about Mourinho, was it the right decision? Yeah, it was the right decision for the club because he absolutely lost the locker room. And he lost the, the board in the summer. We, we talked about this already. He wanted a huge budget to he wanted transfer a huge players budget. when he had the talent. He, yeah, well, you know, in the back four, he did. He did. in the back four, you know, you can't say that he right now. He needed help on the defense. If you, if you were to point out Manchester United's Achilles heel, it's definitely their center backs. Absolutely. And you know what? I like Lindelof. I really do like him. He's having a great, great season so far. He's still a young kid. But I felt personally that Manchester United in the summertime really needed a guy like um, Vanderville or Diego Goudin to really bring an extra 
oomph, an extra level, Solitude. an extra experience. Uh, safety net. They just didn't have that. To mentor, to just mentor, stronger play. <clears throat> to yeah, mentor the younger play. players like Eric Bailly, Lindelof, who are the future of this franchise. Because Vanderville and Goudin, they're not going to be here forever. They're Well, obviously, neither are Lindelof and Bailly, but they're not going to be as long. They're not going to be in the game right, as right. long and productive as Lindelof and Bailly could be. So I felt that that the blame goes around balance between the board, the players, and Mourinho. But of course, you have to pinpoint the biggest responsibility to the manager because he holds the greatest amount of responsibility within the within the yeah. players. Yep. Within That's the within the decisions and within the performances on the pitch, off the pitch, you can blame the board and whatever. So. I, I'm and you guys know me. I'm a huge Mourinho fan. I think he's a great coach. He is one of the greatest coaches to ever be put into this game. This just wasn't a great fit. His first two seasons, I could say it was a success, winning two trophies in the first season. I'm gonna negate the um, people say three, but I'm gonna negate the, that that the Community Shield. It was like the first game he ever coached. So oh, sure. all right, yeah, he won it. So there's three, but technically two trophies that he won. And you have to credit him on that first season because they finished in sixth place. And how did they qualify for the Champions League? They won the UEFA Cup. They won the, the UEFA Europa, Cup. The and you know what? Yeah. When you're out of the top four, or when you're, whenever you're out of the Champions League positionings, uh, positioning for your league... Yeah, you got to take the opportunity. You have to take the opportunity and go all out and win the UEFA Cup. It's not the most prestigious title, but it's a guaranteed spot for next year's Champions League. And what does that mean? You're no preliminary in the rounds. Pre- no preliminary rounds. That's one. That's a great point. And also, it's guaranteed revenue. Yep. For the More club, money. you know, whether it's broadcasting tickets, all that, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. everything, everything. and earnings as well. So, well, that's one of the most impressive things about. Solskjaer's turnaround is the fact that he's been able to bring them from yep. sixth place. Was it sixth or seventh? I think at sixth. one point they were at seventh, but yeah, yeah, for the most part they were sitting at sixth. And uh, bringing them from sixth into the Champions League slot right now at four. Yeah. And they're shooting for third. Yeah. The overall goal for this year should be to get third. Yeah. Yeah, that's the maximum. Well, or win the Champions League, actually. EPL finished third, Champions League do the best, you, do can. The best you can. Because yeah. nobody if thought you were going to make it this Bring far. as much revenue as you can, I guess, at this Correct. point. For, yeah, for me, I'm I'm okay with either three or four. Obviously, you shoot for as high as you can go before it gets you the, the Champions League spot for next yeah. year, right? Catch right. Tottenham. Yep. Tottenham is very much so within reach. Yeah, I, Man City and Liverpool are definitely out of reach. They're, you they're can, in their they own storyline. They're having their own battle. Let them duke it out. So, does Ole Solskjaer deserve to stay as Manchester United's manager next season? Honestly, I mean, you already just heard my Mourinho spiel, so uh, I guess I'm going to sound very. Does biased. it should, should it be him? Should it be a new coach? Has he has he proven himself thus far? I think he's proven himself to the point where at least he deserves a chance for next season. Um, right now, he's sitting at eight one and two in all competitions since he took over for Jose Mourinho. Which, if Jose Mourinho was still Acting as manager, that record would probably be flipped. Flipped, com- <laughs> pretty <laughs> close. <laughs> pretty close to being flipped. So uh, I think he's done a tremendous job. Again, I think he's doing a great job of, you know, managing his players, uh, getting a good lineup out there, getting his young players the reps that they deserve. You know, people like Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial, and we don't talk enough about Anthony Martial. He really is tremendous, incredible. Uh, along that byline, he's he's second to none. He's so friggin' fast. Even under Mourinho, like despite him bumping heads with Mourinho, he was still able to keep his when he was in. You know, uh, no, no, but he was right, still right. he was still getting he was more or less getting his reps in. But when he was on the pitch, he was Manchester United's most consistent player. And even now today, under Ole Shulkshire, he's still keeping up with that. Absolutely, he hasn't lost it. And you know, it, it shows his mental toughness despite being in heads with the coach and not being a hundred percent intact with with Mourinho at that time. He was still performing. He was still playing well. And in my opinion, outside of Lindelof, he was Manchester United's most consistent player. Outside of that, I think you know he's pretty happy because I believe recently he just signed a new contract. Yeah, yeah. I remember yep. when he was talking about leaving. Or at Correct. least that's what I was reading. Correct. So so something changed. Something definitely changed. Something changed, but you know what? 
he still still say the same. He was a huge loss as of recent, but Man United still ground their way through. They still made it happen. They 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 made the impossible possible, in my opinion, with all these young players on the bench performing and all their most reliable players being hurt or suspended. So Evan wants Solskjaer. What do you, do you want, Solskjaer? Solskjaer, man, I you. It was the right move, and there's no way in hell that Mourinho would have turned things around. He even said it himself. Yeah, in one like of a press game or yeah. a press conference. We've heard all his oh, passive aggressive comments. You know, he, always <laughs> had, he always had an excuse. He always had an excuse. Respect, every, man. Respect. Every disappointment. Respect, and you got to have players that want to win. I'm like, well, if you treat them like shit, and you know, you're not giving no, them the I, reps I, that I, they're getting paid for. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, it's all going to transfer over. No, you're. Schultz, I'm, Schultz, I'm Team Solskjaer. Yeah, I'm Team Solskjaer. Give the guy a shot. I, I at least say he's. Yeah, oh, yeah. He right definitely, absolutely deserves a new contract with this club. It can save the club millions and millions yeah. and millions of dollars going out looking for a guy like Pochettino. That's exactly what I was, was going to say. Their number one. That's what. You know, that's what their target was going to be. Yep. Over the last couple of months, oh, like we want. Pochettino, we want Pochettino, Pochettino. You know what? No one's talking Stick about him what now. works. No. This guy deserves it. And you know what? You could put anyone else in the world to fill those shoes, and you could not ask for any better of a performance, any better results than what Manchester United and their fans have gotten under Ole Schultzshire. Yeah. And moving forward, I think their odds of finishing in a place that they want to be is, is very bright. Their upcoming games, they have Wolves. No, wow, that's a tough team, man. Definitely a tough team, but I expect a positive result. Yeah. With the way that they're playing, yeah. With they the way that they're playing, I, the win. I and then you know that's I, the Portuguese power back there too. I I, yeah. I love no the nothing against them, I like but, but I'm Evan. Evan thinks there's I will say they have result. a tough stretch well. coming up. April twenty first, they have Everton, and then three days later they have Man City, and then four yeah. days after that they have Chelsea. So that's where they're really going to be challenged. If Chelsea get their act together. If Chelsea can get their act together. As of late, not mm-hmm. so much. Man United should just bottle it against Man City. I don't want Liverpool to win. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them so much. I hate Man City too, but I'd rather see Man City. I was going to say, I'd rather see Man City. You'd rather, you'd rather have I Man City win. Man. The lesser oh, of two evils. You see their fans on Twitter? Oh, yeah. No, oh. It's coming back. It's We're getting a trophy for the no, first time in like, what? Again. They have... A good amount of respectable players on that team that you know deserve oh, deserve a championship. I could I could go either or. What you're saying is that um, you with that schedule going forward, that they should pick up a, a decent amount of points. I believe they can. I mean, on this stretch that they're going at, I I think their confidence is up. I think players are motivated. They want to work. They want to improve. I think they want to play for him. They they want to play for him, and I think Solskjaer recognizes that. So uh, I foresee. Hopefully, uh, some good results coming moving forward. All right. Well, we are just about running out of time here. Right before we wrap up, though, I, I did want to give Evan a chance um, to give a shout out to your club because you are a member of the Providence City Rogues, an amateur team here in Rhode Island. They play in the Bay State Soccer League Division One. It's a well-known league here in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. We are big fans of the of the club. So if you want to give a shout out, if you want to give us some of their contact information, social media, uh, when does the season start? I guess this is the first question. <laughs> Huge shout out to uh, Providence City FC. You can follow them on uh, Instagram at Providence City FC. You can follow them on Twitter at Providence City. Um, an absolute melting pot of a team. Uh, our whole team consists of a variety of a variety of different players from different backgrounds, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, former pros, junior college, you name it, we have it. Uh, a, a really special group of guys, a fun group of guys, uh, a team that I really enjoy playing for. We've covered so much ground since we began. Started out in Division Three, made our way up to Division Two, and then uh, had to tackle our way into Division One. Being our third year in now, our, uh, I believe fourth year as a, as a team we're really taking stride we're signing great players in the area with very profound backgrounds that should be a huge contributing factor to this uh to this year's season uh, we're very much looking forward to it and also i want to touch, touch up on one last thing too you can also follow them on their uh web which is the providence city fc 
com. You can find out who's on their team, yep. the rosters, the believe they also have some uh, merchandise that you can purchase. Yep, you some can get great. merchandise, scarves. The sweatshirts are awesome. The sweatshirts, the kits are awesome, guys. The kits are awesome. The logo is just incredible. Mm-hmm. I think it's a mm-hmm. really badass logo. The roster, the schedule, the shop, everything that you want to know about this team. They put in a lot of effort and hats off to you guys. You guys are a great team. I've played alongside some of you. You guys have a, a quality, quality squad. Evan's <laughs> a, a great player. I've seen him play. He's a great distributor. You know, he, he, he's he's a phenomenal regista, a central central <laughs> midfielder. He has great vision, passing skills. If I just so happened to be in FIFA, my shooting percentage would be about 20. But See, I'm that, okay. that says a lot about <laughs> me right. being we a We got to be true to ourselves and true to our abilities. Have more confidence, man. More confidence. I'm working on it. You know, I'm still young. I'm a young buck. I'm still working on the shot. I, I, I plan on scoring a few more goals this season. Evan, That's Evan a, man, boy. don't stop the rest of your team. Same message, man. Don't stop. Keep pushing. And you know what? You guys are just going to keep prevailing because you guys have an incredible, incredible team. And I think you guys will go far. If anyone needs, we'll provide the the links to your Instagram, Twitter accounts, and we'll provide the links to the website in our show notes. We'll try to get them up on our social media pages as well. Um, yeah. I don't, anything else, boys? Any other questions for us? No, that's it. Support yeah. your local, guys. Support yeah. your local. Well, seriously, though, thanks again for, for coming out. And, uh, and joining us on this week's podcast. We'd absolutely love to have you back on. It was a good time. Boys, it's been a pleasure. I Not enough of my friends follow soccer, so it's been a pleasure to sit around a round table and bullshit with the boys about soccer. <laughs> so, <Nice. laughs> <laughs> Take right. us out, Dylan. All right, well, thanks for joining us this week on the Red Card Report podcast. We really do hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, if you did, please head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. It really helps the show. Or even if you tell a friend about it, that helps too. Also, don't forget to hit the follow or subscribe button on any of your favorite podcast apps so you get all the latest updates and notifications and you'll never miss an episode of the show. Lastly, be sure to check us out on our social media pages. We're on Instagram and Facebook, are both at Red Card Report, and also on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at RCR underscore podcast. Thanks again for listening and join us next time for another edition of the Red Card Report.